The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Welcome to the Arrowhead Addicts Podcast. My name is Matt Connor, and I'm actually not here with Sterling, but another Matt. Matt Verderam, how are you this afternoon when the Chiefs are making big news? Good. Surprised. Uh, I, I did not expect the Chiefs to do this. I, I feel like it's well, it's it's my job to have a pulse on on everything in the NFL and certainly on them. Um, but I never thought Baltimore would trade him to the Chiefs. Like that that was the thing that shocked me more than anything else. And I, and I think, frankly, a lot, for a lot of people around, the yeah, uh, you know, first of all, we're we're talking about the Orlando Brown trade. If you missed it, the the Ravens have traded Orlando Brown Jr. to the Chiefs in exchange for a first-round pick, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and then a fifth and 22 in exchange for a second and 21 and a fifth and 22. Um, let's talk about the Baltimore aspect of this real fast. Like you said, the shock of this deal. Do you think their willingness to trade him to the Chiefs was a sign of the Chiefs' leverage of maybe some other options? Do you think it was the corner they'd been backed into? Like, how, like what do you read there in the tea leaves? Well, I think it, it's a tough year to trade him because of the amount of tackles that are in the draft. Like, every personnel evaluator, scout, so on and so forth that I've spoken to, agent, has said, look, this class is incredibly deep at tackle. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get a day one starter with the 80th pick, but it does mean that if you're a team in the top 20, you're probably like, yeah, we're not going to give you a pick and then sign him to an $80 million contract. We'll just take Rashawn Slater or Christian Darashaw or Penny Sewell, right? Like, so I think that really hurt their leverage. And then beyond that, you know, you look at a lot of these teams that have later first round picks. I don't know how many would have been in the market. You know, Seattle's a team that I think should be sniffing around, right? But they didn't have a first round pick. So that they're out. The Packers have Bakhtiari. The the Bills are a team that they just locked in a bunch of their linemen. They don't need a left tackle right now. Baltimore, of course, is one of the teams in itself. You know, Pittsburgh's there, or Cleveland, you know, but, but they're never gonna trade the Pittsburgh, and Cleveland doesn't need any help, and they wouldn't trade them anyway. So you start really losing a lot of options. And maybe you get a team that would give you the 40th you know, pick or so, but is that where you want to go? Would you rather get what Kansas City's offering, even if it means having to put him on the Chiefs? Apparently, Eric DaCosta, the Ravens GM, felt like, no, we'll, we'll take we'll take the best offer we have, and apparently that was the Chiefs. Do you think that maybe some of that is some internal confidence of, I mean, this is a team, to their credit, that drafted Ronnie Stanley. They drafted Brown in the first place. I mean, they've got the acumen to go out and identify guys who can step up. So it's not the, really the loss for them as much as it is the gain for Kansas City, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll say, look, they've drafted very well. Um, 
you know, they, they've mostly had on their first round picks. Hollywood Brown might be the exception, but they, they mostly have. They mostly have, right? You're not going to hit every year. I will say this, though, if I'm a Ravens fan, that does worry me. You're a team that relies heavily, maybe the most in the NFL, on being able to move guys at the point of attack. You, they, they run the ball like it's 1952, right? They just pound it and pound, that's what they do. Yonda's gone. He retired after last season. He is a Hall of Fame caliber guard. Now Orlando Brown Jr., who's 24 and a two-time Pro Bowler, is now not only gone, but he's on the team you're trying to beat. And Ronnie Stanley, who's a great player, is coming off a very, very serious injury. Like, that's that's a lot. If Stanley doesn't come back and play at 100% right away, needs a year to recover, needs half year to recover, they're going to have a hard time running the ball. Like, I guess they got Kevin Zeitler, and that's fine. That's not going to fix all those other things. So I agree with you. It's I think it's more to look at like what the Chiefs did to add to their team. But if Stanley doesn't come back 100% right away, then I think it makes it a lot harder for them to play their offense because they are not equipped to throw the football at all. And, and I don't think this what, helps. What would, I'm a little surprised that the Ravens didn't hold on to him and then tag and trade after the season. He's still so cheap. He would have had to, um, you know, you know, behave himself once the season starts. There's so little real leverage there for him heading into the season, other than just being vocal about wanting to play the left side. I, I'm I'm just a little shocked that they let him go now when he would still have great value next year. Matt, I agree. I totally agree. I I thought that's what they would do, um, and. Especially if that's who you're going to trade him to, you're going to trade him to Kansas City. Like, why not just wait another year, right? Like, because look, that to me, I always view the NFL and every sport right through the prism of can you win a championship? Because the rest of it's crap. Like the rest of it's like, oh yeah, we won ten games. That's great. That's great. And then you got your your butt kicked in a wild card game, and it, it means nothing. To to win a championship for the Ravens. You need to beat Kansas City. Something that, forget the playoffs, they have not come close to doing in the regular season with this group. I mean, they get boat raced every time they play the Chiefs, right? Every time. And and so this trade, even if you feel like, hey, we can replace Orlando Brown and we can do, okay, fine. You just made the team that you're chasing a lot better. Because the one glaring need, we could argue how much they need a receiver, how much they need a corner, how much they need a linebacker. Everybody agreed that they desperately needed a left tackle. And it looked like they were either going to take one at 31 or maybe resign Eric Fish. Well, they just upgraded their left tackle spot. Their left side now is Orlando Brown Jr. and Joe Tooney. Like, it's the best left side yeah. in the NFL. Period. Yeah. I mean, it's. To, to give the Chiefs that is just wild. It's 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 almost like if Denver was like, here, do you want Von Miller? Just take him. <laughs> and we'll take a third back. Right? Like it's just you don't help out teams that you view as a problem for you. And so for them to give Kansas City Orlando Brown is just yeah. shocking. It really is. L- let's talk about the Chiefs' impact here. And Matt, I would love to get your take on what this allows Kansas City to do offensively that even if the line had been healthy this year. So let's say that Fisher had never been injured and come out. I mean, like like you just said, this is a clear upgrade. This isn't just, oh, good, it's no longer a need. It's like, oh, no, this is a plus-plus now at this point, that whole side of the line. 
what is that going to allow Andy Reid to do, Patrick Mahomes to do, even Clyde to do in this offense that wasn't true before? Well, I think it's going to open up the run game. Look, they have not been a team that has run a lot of power. That's just not how they are, right? They're a zone-blocking team. They typically have smaller, quicker offensive linemen. And Tooney kind of fits that role. And Blythe is a guy who's who's small for a center. And centers are typically small anyway compared to the rest of the line. But Blythe is a smaller guy. Brown is 6'8 and 355. <laughs> like, Edwards Alaire – you're not even going to see Edwards Alaire behind Orlando Brown. So I, I think it opens up the, hey, we're going to pull – with Kyle Long or Duvernay Tardif. We're going to get out in space. We're going to be able – now, he's not – Orlando Brown's forte is not like running the screen game, right? He's just so big. But on the flip side of that, he is a guy who, for his size, can get out enough that I can see the Chiefs – like on, like they've struggled forever on third and one. Well, guess who they're running behind on third and one now, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's like here comes, here comes our fullback. Here comes Burton in off the bench. And we're going to have Tooney and Brown, and we're just going to run it up in there. Good luck. Here it comes. Like, I think it makes the Chiefs better in the red zone. I think it makes them better in short yardage. And I also think, look, if and, and if there's one criticism of Mahomes, we all know it, right? at times he'll drift. If they can get him to kind of rein that in somewhat, I just think from the blind side, he's basically just going to be able to stand there. Like, Doug Farrar pointed this out in USA Today. Um, he played 800 snaps at left tackle last year and didn't give up a hit or a sack. That's insane. That's crazy. Didn't give up That's a hit. Crazy. That's what you're dealing with. Do you, I'm, I'm looking at just like on paper, this sort of deal. Like you, you were talking about earlier that it's just, you know, you don't, you don't do this to your rival. Like you don't, you don't help a rival. You don't bolster a rival. But I'm also just looking and thinking, like I remember when the Chiefs made the decision to trade Marcus Peters, and I don't want to get down that road, whatever. But, but on paper, it was like, here's a here's a cost controlled asset who, who has the makings of it's it's the beginning of a Canton esque trajectory. I don't want to say career, but but the trajectory. Here's what like we're looking at a 24 year old two time Pro Bowler who performed at that level both on the right and the left side, right? So it, the versatility. He, he's played every single game of his NFL career so far, 48 games in three years. So you've got durability. You've got a, a, an exceptional talent. He's still very young. Like, I mean, is it possible that we're, that the Chiefs traded for a Canton-esque kind of, kind of talent here? Or, or, you know, is a Pro Bowl a popularity contest? And, and maybe it's not that. I, I, I guess I'm wondering your reflections just on are we – is this a historic talent imported early? Maybe. I mean, you're 24 years old and you made the Pro Bowl twice. You're pretty damn good, right? I mean, and, and it's not going to hurt now. Look, I, I have immense respect for the Hall of Fame. I know some of the voters. It's something that I, I have great reference for. But I, I think, let's be real. Like everybody who votes for the Hall of Fame is human. If you're on a team that's always in the Super Bowl or around the Super Bowl, it helps. Well, if the Chiefs win three Super Bowls and Orlando Brown is over there just stonewalling everyone, <laughs> Right in the Super Bowl and the AFC title game, like it matters. Um, I would say this: is he can't ask guy? Maybe, but he he is a top tier yeah. player. He is a top five tackle, and you add that to an offense that already scores a point a minute, even when they don't block anybody for the most part. You know, I like to me the big loser in this. 
yeah, it's, it's Baltimore in the sense that they, they lost an asset and made the team better, but they at least get a lot back, right? Like they can, they can theoretically use those draft picks to, to improve their, their roster. If I'm the Buffalo Bills, I'm calling the police, <laughs> right? Like you got nothing out of this, and Kansas City just got much yeah. better. Because to me, when I look at the AFC, and of course, the NFL, there's always the injury bug, and, and that you have to factor all that in. But if I'm looking at the AFC, coming into this this morning when we had no idea this was going to happen, my attitude was Kansas City's a prohibitive favorite as long as they have a living, breathing human being at left tackle. And then Buffalo is the team that theoretically I think is the closest to knocking them away, right? And then you can get into Baltimore, you can get into Cleveland. you can get. But to me, Buffalo is on a tier of its own. Kansas City now, with this trade, is so far out in front. Like, Kansas City roundhoused Buffalo twice last year and did it with no offensive line in the AFC yeah. title game, okay? No Watkins in either game, so losing him doesn't affect those standings, right? Like, the Chief, and, and the Chiefs pummeled them twice defensively in both games. So now you add Orlando Brown, and don't forget, too, like, this is a team that added not only Orlando Brown, Added Joe Tooney, Kyle Long, Laurent duvernay tardif Lucas Nyang, and Jerron Reed. Like, to a team that lost one real game all the way up until the yeah. Super Bowl last yeah. year. I would argue that between Brown, Tooney, and Reed, no team in the NFL added three better, more impactful players yeah. to the roster. And in the trenches. I mean, you know, like, like where that attrition, you know, they say the game is won and lost there. I, I, let me ask you this. Uh, like to me, and, and I'll, I guess I'll offer my opinion here too. You know, an extension has to be coming, right? Like, like you don't make this trade. Uh, it just feels like a formality, even if it's like a year down the road or six months down the road. But that extension is getting done for Orlando Brown, right? Yeah. So I I talked to a source on this right after the deal, and my understanding is that he's going to play out the year on this deal. It's a last year of his rookie deal, right? And then after that. They will eventually sit down and hammer out or try to hammer out an extension. I agree with you. Um, I cannot imagine. Look, worst case scenario, they tag him. They tag him, and then you, you negotiate from there. But if he goes out and plays really well this year, yeah. I mean, if you're the Chiefs, why, why wouldn't you? Look, if we know one thing about Fred Veach, he believes in big game hunting. Like, that's just the way he is. If you look at his free agency moves, if you look at their trades, whether you love them or hate them, they spend big money. They don't go out and throw like the you know the, oh, let's get a third tier guy right. It's like hey, let's trade in a first and a second for Frank Clark and give him one hundred and five <laughs> million. Okay, you can argue how that's worked out for them, but like that's what they do. They paid big money for Tyron Matthew. That worked out. They paid huge money for Anthony Hitchens at the time, right? Like, and that's that's worked out by and large. He's been good for them. And and now he's like the tenth highest paid linebacker right. in the NFL. So it's okay. Um, Joe Tooney, like I wrote blow by blow how that contract went down, and the Chiefs were just like basically we don't care. You fill in the terms. We want Joe Tooney. They almost signed Trent Williams. And Kansas City believes in just we're going to go out and get elite guys and figure it out around them. And so Brown certainly fits that mold. If he goes out and plays really well this year, yeah, I expect, according to my source, they will play it out this year on this deal. But then, yeah, I would expect that, barring him just really being disappointing, that, yeah, they'll they'll absolutely sit down, and it'll probably end up being something around $20 million yeah. a year. And the Chiefs will say, that's great. 
Here you go. Suppose Mahomes is clean. We're going to be 13, 14, and 3 every year. 13 and 4, 14, 3. That, that sounds yeah. great. To me, I'm, I'm almost a little surprised that this wasn't more obvious or that there was that much surprise involved in this because of what you're saying. Like it almost it feels antithetical to what we know of Brett Veach that he would have chased Trent Williams so publicly and even admitting much of his own process in that. And then suddenly the Chiefs were going to settle for like Stone Forsyth in the second or third round. I mean, like like looking at it, you're like, yeah, they're not doing that. We know they're not doing that. And yet we thought they were doing that. I also wonder if Mitchell Schwartz ends up back there as their right tackle. Because not that they don't like Niang, because they love Lucas Niang. They had a second round grade on him. They really like Niang a lot. Um, but, you know, when I wrote that story on, on Tooney, so his agent is Mike McCartney, who's a big agent in the league. He represents a lot of really high-end players, guys like Kirk Cousins, okay, for an example. He, he's, he's been in the league a long time. Mike's a great guy. And he talked to me on the record for that story. Um, he also represents Mitch Schwartz. And, look, from talking to people, not only just, you know, Mike and that conversation that we had about that story, but just, you know, it's, it's unclear whether or not Mitch is going to retire. He's rehabbing from a back injury. He's 32 years old. He certainly has nothing to prove. But he is building it, and this is just a public record, he is building a house and has built a house in Kansas City. Like That's where he plans to live. From all accounts, he loves his time with the Chiefs. If he, if he decides to play again and he's healthy, the Chiefs are going to have the first right of refusal. Like, it's going to be like, hey, do you want me to come back for you guys? And if you're the Chiefs and he's healthy, you're going to say no to that? You're going to be like, no, we have Lucas right. Niang. We're right. good. You're going to go, Lucas, listen, why don't you take a year and, and sit on the bench and get some reps, and we're going to have Mitch Schwartz at right tackle. And if he gets hurt again, we have Lucas Niang. If he doesn't get hurt again, our offensive line is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. No one is touching anybody the entire <laughs> year. Yeah. It's, so I, I think for the Chiefs, like, now he may retire. He may just retire. But if he doesn't retire – the Chiefs would certainly have the need, even with Lucas Yang and the cap space, to go, yeah, sure, you want one year and $8 million, $10 million? That sounds great. Come on back. Awesome. Saved you, the, saved you number 71. Okay. Earlier today, Brett Veach went on the record talking about draft position and where he liked the draft, and he mentioned that, the, that there was a real sweet spot in this draft at the bottom of the second, the top of the third round. And after that, it gets really thin, especially later in the draft. In this trade, he was also able then to secure a second pick within that quoted sweet spot. So my question to you is, now the Chiefs have two picks right there in that breadbasket that Veach has already said, I like it there. Like, if you had to guess, what's your inclination about what they do now next week in those two spots? So, look, I... Just talking to people around the league over the last handful of months, the one I think kind of agreed upon thing, somewhat if you can agree on this, is about pick seventy five is kind of a cutoff, and then it starts to drop, so like mid third round. So Brett saying that in the press conference kind of lines up. Like if, I think a lot of people feel that way. So getting an extra second, yeah, sure, you move down from thirty one, but now Orlando Brown's your first round pick, and now you have two second round picks, and the Chiefs, by the way, still have a fourth. They have a comp pick. So Kansas City, in reality, is just basically like, yeah, here, here's a third and like a fifth, and that's fine, like we'll, and we'll slide back a handful of spots 
Um, I think with those picks, I, I still would like to see the Chiefs sign Prashad Breeland again. I, I don't understand why he's still yeah. a free agent. I, I just don't get it. He's a good. He's a really good player. Like I, I get he's thirty and like hasn't made a Pro Bowl. Who cares? Did you watch the AFC title game? He basically mauled Stephon Diggs to death for four quarters. It was like, go ahead, throw a flag. I don't care. Like he basically just challenges the the, uh, the headlinesman every play to just throw a flag on him. Now I can throw it every down. But in any event, like if they don't if they don't bring back Breland, I think that in the second round, and of course it depends on how the board falls. I'd be looking at edge. First and foremost, if there's a guy there that falls them, I would take an edge rusher. I'd also look at receiver, and then I'd look at corner. I know some people will say linebacker, but they're in sub-packages so often, I don't care. I just don't care. And, like, if Willie Gay can cover anybody, they're fine. It just it doesn't really matter to me. You know Hitchens is going to be your every-down guy. I, I would look at this draft as deep at receiver and say, who can get in the second round? Who can you get there? To, to go with Hardman and Robinson and Pringle and all these guys. And then if they find an edge rusher they like there, that's the pick. Because if they ever could find an edge rusher to go with Reed and Jones inside and Clark on the other side, I don't I honestly, Matt, I, I think they could go like 16 and one. Like if they ever found a pass rush where they never had the blitz and they could just bring it over and over and over. As they stand, they're going to be favored in every single game they play this year. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. Like I sat there and looked at the schedule. Maybe they're an underdog at Baltimore. Maybe. I don't I don't, I don't know think why so. they would be. Yeah, right. Like I I mean the Packers, if it was on the road, maybe, but they're at home. They're gonna be home favorites in every other game. They're not gonna be a road dog in the in the division. They're not gonna be a dog at Cincinnati, okay, or or Philly or Washington. So you start looking at this, you're like, who the hell are they gonna be a road dog against? No like maybe maybe Baltimore, maybe, or and, and not against Tennessee. So I look at the Chiefs and say, literally, they're not going to be an underdog in any game this season as, as we look at them right now. It's, it's pretty man, impressive. Man. Well, let me ask you this. At, you know, with the move, um, any other, any other like closing thoughts on loose ends you'd like to tie up regarding where the Chiefs go from here or bringing in Brown or just the deal in general? I think, yeah, sure. I, I think the deal is a home run for them. I, I don't see – I mean, obviously, just unless they have bad luck, he gets hurt or something. Like, what is the downside yeah. of this? He's 24. Yeah. It's not like you traded for some guy who's 33 years old. Like, you traded for a guy who's going to be younger than a couple of these guys coming out of the draft. So – and I know people say, well, you got to pay him. Who cares? The cap's going to go up $30 million yeah. next year or something like that. Like, it, it doesn't – look, people have to stop caring about the cap. I promise you it does not matter. They will roll over cap space this year into next year. They will convert Mahomes' base for the rest of time, and they'll just roll it and roll it. And Everybody thought they were cash-strapped this year. They signed Tooney. They just added Brown, and they tried to sign Trent yeah. Williams. They didn't care. Yeah. They don't care. And, and Clark Hunt doesn't care because here's a little-known fact about the NFL. Everybody says, well, it's, it's even across the board financially. It's really not. When you sign a contract, the, the the guaranteed money portion has to go into escrow immediately. So teams that have cheap owners or owners that don't have a lot of liquid cash, it's not the same. You want to know why Khalil Mack, one of the biggest reasons he got traded from the Raiders? Because Mark Davis has no liquid cash compared to a lot of owners in the NFL. Clark Hunt has more liquid cash than God and doesn't care. 
Like, they gave Mahomes $450 million guaranteed, and Clark Hunt was like, that's fine. And while you're at it, why don't you sign Kelsey and Jones, too? They don't care. So it's it's a huge advantage to have an owner like that who just has the money on hand. He doesn't he doesn't care. They'll throw it in the, into the kitty without a problem. Look, I I felt going into the day, and I'll wrap up this. I felt going in they were prohibitive favorites going into today, at least to win the AFC. And I think the top three teams in the league are them, Tampa, and Green Bay. I think by getting Brown, they're now my prohibitive favorite to just win it again outright yeah. because that was the one issue. Yeah. Can they block? Can they block? Well. I mean, yeah, they they can block now. So I look at the Chiefs and say, if they're healthy, there's no reason I think they're not going to win the Super Bowl. And in the AFC, good luck. I, I don't know. I don't see anybody, and I don't know how you feel about that, but I don't see anybody in the AFC who's going to challenge them as long as they're as long yeah, as they're yeah. I, no, I I think you're right. You would have to be a contrarian, like an admitted contrarian, to go anything other than the Chiefs. In the AFC and and really in the NFL, I mean, uh, you know, maybe you could put some belief behind Green Bay or or, or you know, I mean, Tampa Bay. They've got a great team. They you know they're running it back on their own. I, I mean, I get it. I get why there would be some juice there. And the Super Bowl was was you know, I mean, you know, you're the champion until proven oh, otherwise. Killed. I get it. But say what? Yeah. Uh, I said they yeah, killed. They did. Uh, you know, it, it was a mauling, and, and and yeah, the Chiefs were exposed in, in that game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at this point, there, there's certainly no more talented team on paper, and uh, you know, three straight AFC Championship games hosted at Arrowhead looks awful like it's going to be seven or eight straight AFC Championship games hosted at Arrowhead, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. And and um, as some of these guys, uh, you know, get older, and we'll see how how good they are at replacing skill position. But for now, it just seems like AFC dynasty for a half decade. It, it reminds me a lot of what New England did all those years, like where they would have a core of guys, which the Chiefs have. And like, you know, and you think of the Chiefs core, I think of like Mahomes, yeah. Kelsey, Tyron yeah. Matthew, Chris Jones, Tyreek Hill, right? They're these core of guys. And by the way, Orlando Brown's young enough that if he plays well, he'll be yeah. part of that. And New England would do that. Like they would have their Brewskis and Brady and Vrabel and, you know, Harrison or whatever, Seymour. And then you'd be sitting there and you'd be like, they just traded a fourth-round pick for Randy Moss? <laughs> what? Like, how, like, who the hell? Yeah. Why? Like, and, it, and people would be like, oh, he shot. And he'd, of course, I'd go out and be unbelievable. And they, and they did this forever. They get out. They like Remember, like years later, they get Darrell Revis. And like, <laughs> who the hell is giving them Darrell yeah. Revis? Like, why are you doing this? It feels like that now, but with the Chiefs, where you know the rest of the AFC's like, my God, why that? Like, what the hell is Baltimore doing? How, like, how could like again? If I was the Bills, I would call the police. I would call the FBI. Like, why? Why in God's name? Anybody but them? Like, and it just, but it feels like when you're that good and you have a window like they do, and like the Pats did for twenty years, the smart team does not play it safe. They say no. Like it's pedal to the metal. We. We have the ultimate advantage, and not only with Mahomes, but with Andy Reid and his staff. Like, you are ahead 10 nothing every game you walk into with that as your brain trust. And I give the Chiefs a lot of credit for not just saying, hey, we'll take Liam Eikenberg and see how it plays out. They're like, no, you know what? We'll give you a first-round pick. We don't care. And take our third and our fourth-round pick, too, because we just got our 24-year-old superstar left tackle. 
and you can enjoy our third round pick that turns into a kick return. Like, we just don't <laughs> care. It doesn't matter. We're going to score 50 points yeah. on you. And I, I give them a lot oh, of credit. I love it. I love it. Well, we'll be back uh, later on in, in the weekend and into next week with more from the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Matt, you want to say anything else? That's it. That's it. Looking forward to the draft. Hey, now we have Thursday. We do. Off. We do. <laughs> we'll see you later on, guys. You can give Matt Verderam a follow on Twitter, at Matt Verderam. I'm Matt Connor, at Matt Connor AA. Otherwise, we'll see you around Fan Sided and Arrowhead Attic. Thanks.